Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation? Where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission. At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders. From ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities, CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Jones! Bowden! He's got it! England have won the World Cup by the barest of margins! Hello and welcome to the Analyst Inside Cricket. Good to be with you again. Simon Hughes here. And in this episode, we talk to Mark Wood, the Ashington Express, the man who's bowled the fastest ever over by an England bowler. I think he averaged about 94 miles an hour during a test against the West Indies a year or so ago in the Caribbean. And he joined us in the Virtual Cricket Club, this online cricket club we've created to talk about his life, his friendly rival with Jofra Archer, his diet and his fitness regime, his continued test match ambitions, despite only getting a white ball contract, uh, which was recently announced, and his thoughts on whether he can get faster. His fastest ball so far is 95.7 miles an hour, but yeah, he thinks he could get past 96. Um, Jofra Archer's bowled the fastest ball ever by an England bowl. I think that's right, uh, 96.3. I think it was during the Lord's Test of 2019. So uh, Woody set that as a target uh, that he will try and get past at some point. He also takes part in our weekly quiz. Uh, we've developed this quiz, How Well Do You Know Yourself, with a string of England players. And he attempted to beat the previous contestants, Joe Root and Stuart Broad, in our virtual cricket club. Just before we get to Mark Wood, a couple of things. Firstly, just to talk about this virtual cricket club uh, in aid of the Professional Cricketers Trust, which is this charity that raises money and funds for disadvantaged players, players that have fallen on hard times and they've had a real struggle with fundraising this year. So the profits from this virtual cricket club we're staging on Thursday nights at 7pm goes to that Cricketers Trust. And we're really keen for you to take part in this virtual cricket club. It's very easy to sign up. Uh, We'll give you the details about that in a minute. But when you enter the club, you can ask questions of star players. You can post questions in the chat box. You can win signed memorabilia. And next week, we've got Phil Tufnell in the virtual cricket club. So lots of great banter and stories, undoubtedly, from Tuffers, the cat. Thursday night, 7pm, we've now rechristened the club worldsbestcricketclub.com so if you go to that site worldsbestcricketclub.com you'll get straight into our virtual cricket club it's six pounds a month 
But as I say, the proceeds go to the Cricketers Trust and for the £6, you get four live events and lots of blogs and podcasts and all sorts of other stuff as well. And in fact, I've put on the site this week that if you can invite a friend to join the Virtual Cricket Club, you get a free book as well, a free copy of my new book, A New Innings about the future of the game from a professional and business point of view as much as it is from a playing point of view. So please join up to our virtual cricket club if you go to worldsbestcricketclub.com. It's fairly straightforward from then on and we'll see you hopefully next Thursday night with Phil Tufnell. Also just a little thank you to Beer52, the online craft beer supplier, fabulous craft beers. We've been tasting them actually on the Virtual Cricket Club nights. I had one the other night called Vocation. It was a lovely, crisp, hoppy mix of New Zealand and Californian flavours, a total nectar actually as we were chatting away to, to Woody. And in my eight pack I also had White Hag's Chocolate Orange Pastry Stout from Ireland and a lovely looking Indian Pale Ale and a peanutty one which I didn't really like at all and and also Siren's Cold-Blooded Porter brewed in Berkshire. So really interesting selection of craft beers. You can get eight free craft beers if you go to beer52.com slash cricket and make your selection there. You can get eight free beers and all you have to pay for is the five pound delivery charge and get into the beer 52 club because i tell you some of this stuff is really good and i'm really enjoying it actually okay so mark wood who gave up his time last thursday night to chat to us in the virtual cricket club and the first thing simon mann and i asked him was how vivid were his memories of that amazing day the world cup final on july the 14th last year I actually remember a lot of it, to be fair. I've had it on repeat in the house a few times. I've still got it on record. I honestly, I remember the strange thing about it all, feeling relaxed the day before. I thought I'd be more nervous. And it wasn't until I saw the banner put up in the in the stand that said World Cup Final, I started to feel a little bit like, a bit nervous. But I didn't, I didn't do anything like before the game. Normally, you'd train, you'd bowl. But we'd played that much and, you know, I felt in a good place that I didn't feel like I needed to do very much. I remember being nervous before the game on the morning of the game because I didn't know what to do. I took too many catches. I didn't know whether to bowl a little bit more. I didn't know. It was like that nervous energy because there was a bit of weather around of what should I actually do. And of course, mm. you're taking it all in. The, the Sky guys have rolled on that like wheelie TV unit that they've got there over there. So you're looking thinking, what are they going to say? Oh, should we bat? Should we bowl? Morgie wants to do this. What end am I going to bowl? Because I'd bowled at the pavilion end traditionally most of my career. But actually, I didn't bowl well against Australia in the group game there. I bowled better from the nursery end. So I started at the nursery end during the World Cup final. And actually, I bowled terrible. I've watched it since. I think, what are you doing? Screamed at the telly. Just hit the top of off. How many times have I I've tried to bowl an in-swinger, an out-swinger, a bouncer? Just bowl it at the stumps, man. I'm so frustrated watching it. But I was actually too desperate to do well and like it was the world cup final i had to think we at the 13th or 14th over and i was like almost too tense i was right i'm gonna bowl fast i'm gonna run in i'm gonna do this i'm gonna do that i should have just kept it simple and it wasn't until i came back for the second spell that i was actually relaxed i was into the game then i'd fielded the ball i'd bowled um and then after that i bowled a lot better and of course when you get the wicket the start me second spell that then relaxes you um mm. i remember the the barmy army had a section of course course it's a little bit different you normally have obviously a lot of english fans but because the tickets have been sold there was indian pakistan there's fans everywhere from every nation but we had a pocket of barmy army 
And then I remember the sort of when I got the wicket, they were singing my song every time I was turning round. And I was sort of trying to time it. And every time I would walk back, it would be the oh. And then as soon as the last oh, I'd run in and then I'd be back on it again. Um, just to try and you know keep some momentum going. And um, they were really, really good that day. I think it's probably, isn't it, the the case that with a final like that, I mean, it's, it's such a build-up to it that, you know, you've got almost too long to think about it. And, mm. uh, you know, as you say, a bit of rain around, so you weren't quite sure what time you were starting and all that. Because actually, I, I remember playing in a, and obviously it's not the same as a World Cup final, but I played in a NatWest final, one of a, one of a few. And the one NatWest final I played in Middlesex against Worcestershire, um, I got stuck in traffic. I was notoriously late anyway, but I got stuck in traffic, terrible traffic down getting to London to Lords. And I was really late. And I got there within about 45 minutes of the start of the final. Mm. I had to rush straight to the nets and bowl about 10 balls. And then that was it. We were out in the field and I didn't have time to get nervous because I was so panicking at what kind of on, on edge to get there. that once I was there, I just relaxed and thought, Phew, and bowled really well because you know, there wasn't the sort of build-up and endless kind of thinking about it. Sometimes it's better just to, to get straight in there, get get into the water and, and swim, isn't it? Exactly. I think um, it's probably the same for my test debut. I, I took too much in. Like, uh, I thought about the cameras. I thought about the crowd. I thought about what people, you know, my family were thinking at home. I thought about myself. And all the best times I've bowled, all the best spells I've bowled, it's only been me, the batter, and the stumps. You, you don't think about anything else. You can, you do, the field doesn't matter. doesn't matter what the captain's doing, nothing like that. Um, you're only focused on yourself. And I think it wasn't until that second spell that I got in that place. I think the first spell, I was obviously just trying too hard. And actually, when you're tense and trying hard, your shoulders get a little bit, and you can see in your body language that you're actually you're not loose and free and that's when I play at my best, when I'm having fun, when I'm loose, when I'm free, and when I'm just running in and, and enjoying myself. Uh, I think at this, at the, which is understandable, it's a World Cup final. I think at the start, I was just a little bit too overhyped. Good evening, by the way, Woody, and it's great to have you with us. It's great to have everyone with us as well. Lots of uh, people who've become regulars already. There's Jacob Matthew, Sean Fisher. Any chance of subtitles? That's a bit naughty, Sean. Um, <laughs> Dorothy said that. Andy Vothergill said that the, as well. Uh, Dorothy Betts is with us again. Brian Holland. Uh, Norts, and then Norts's question. And actually, I was being looking at the laws, but I, I think I think Woody knows the answers to this. He's, he says it's one for Woodster and the two Simons. When Mark came onto the field for the last ball of the 50 overs in the World Cup final, remember Ben Stokes was on strike, so Mark was at the non-striker's end. Would it have been acceptable to walk out without helmet, pads, guards and bat as Mark's job was to get back to the non-striker's end? Would you have made it if you weren't wearing the cricket gear or would it have been considered super unsporting to be dressed just to run fast? Because that's basically um, all you had to do, wasn't it? Really? Yeah. Is, is, is yeah. Run, run too quickly. Well, personally, I don't think it would have been unsporting. I think that that's within the rules. I mean, you don't have to wear an arm guard or a chest guard anyway. And I had them on anyway. But you don't have to wear them. The only other thing that I could have taken off would have been my thigh pads and my helmet and my box. I think you can wear anything external, so you have to wear, you have to have your gloves, your normal pads, and your bat, and the rest you don't have to wear because that's in the normal the normal rules. I think I, I potentially could have run a little bit faster. I mean, I still get stick off the lads at Ashton where I'm from, saying um, that the Titanic turns quicker. I still blame Stokesy. I mean, I, I love him a bit. He did the right <laughs> thing in hindsight, 
um, because you know if he if he'd getting caught on the line and would lost by one, I mean he remembered even in a moment like that to still have the peace of mind to say no. I've seen a game of Bangladesh where they hit the, the guy in the line and they lost by one. So great peace of mind. But the way that he was striking the ball, he could have whacked that anywhere he wanted. He was hitting nearly perfect Yorkers into the stand for six. So I, I think he just hit it almost. I know what he was saying. He tried to get it as a left-hander to mid-wicket's right hand to the left of long on. But he just hit it too crisp to long on. And I just I couldn't get back. I mean, we do fitness tests in England where you have to run two. And uh, that constantly giving me grief about it. When you came out to bat, then what, what was what was the discussion? You, know, you had one ball, two to win, one one for the Supra. What what was the discussion? Did he say absolutely nothing? Nothing. Absolutely. Mate, mate, he was gone. His eyes were glazed. Ah. Okay, it didn't matter what I said. I says right, no matter what happens, I'll just run. And he he didn't say anything. He, he honestly didn't say anything. He just ah. he just sort of touched gloves with us, and that was it. Um, I remember Bolt running in and I was shouting, come on, Beast. Obviously, we call Stokesy Beast. Come on, Beast. You, you got this. You got this. And then as the sport was running, I was thinking, don't get man-cutted. So I sat my back <laughs> ready just in case. Um, so I was, I was thinking, right, do not get man-cutted here. And then, of course, he hits the ball. I pull off the worst dive you've ever seen, make my side even worse. I'd already torn it, make, make it even worse. And then the dressing was just literally... Going ballistic when I got back in, those shoes, boots, bats, gloves everywhere. No, uh, Alan Dar was in the room. No one knew what was going on, and I had to tap poor James Vince on the shoulder and say, "Mate, uh, it's a World Cup final. Do you mind going to feel the Super Over for me?" <laughs> yeah. So w- when he hit it, did you think there was a chance of two, or did you think, "Oh no, it's not. It's, it's not gone." No, I, I right didn't. Place. I didn't think anything. I just thought run, um, and it wasn't until I turned that I realised I was. I had no chance really, but you know, it's funny things happen as you see with uh, Nathan Lyon when he dropped the ball when Leach um, mm, yeah. nearly got run out. Both could have dropped the ball, he could have hit the stumps first. So I had to <laughs> sprint as much as I could, even though I knew I was in trouble. It just, I was just miles out, even in the frame when it goes to the replay. I'm not even in the frame, that's how far away I am, running on sand. There was never two there. Was there was there? never two there. And yeah. um, mind you, New Zealanders are above man-cadding, aren't they? I bet, I bet, I bet yeah. they wouldn't do it, actually, uh, whereas some other people do. And actually, where... That was the funny thing at the end, actually, because they're such good lads. They're, you know, yeah. you often play international teams and you all get on because you, you see that much of each other and you play international tournaments against each other and things like that. But they're honestly the best, the best lads. They play hard on the field, but they're so fair, honest, great off the field. I knew a few of them, obviously, Tom Latham I played at Durham with, a few other lads knew the other ones. And it, when it, when you win, it's so euphoric that you, you forget about the other team, which sounds horrible, but, you know, no matter what you can say to the lads, so Tom Latham, what, what could I say to him? That would have made him feel better. And there's nothing you really can say. Good, great game, hard lines. Even though that's all you can say, it doesn't really feel like it's enough. But they, they took it brilliantly. They shook all my hands, looked you in the eye, came on the field with all the families at the end of play, had a drink with everybody, took mm. it brilliantly. And they must have been so disappointed. But actually, you know, even a tight game where we look at it now and you think, should it have been five or six when it hit Stokes' bat? Little bits during the play. They could easily be sour about it, mm. but they take it so well. And um, they just say, that's the way it is. And that's absolutely actually right. Actually. Proud. To be yeah. in such a spectacle that they were part of it. It's funny actually because I'm I've I'm saw a few incidents in the IPL last year, not this current series, where someone like Dhoni 
would come on the field and, and actually criticise the umpires when he was actually off the field. And, uh, you know, so the, the, I could imagine a ponting, you know, being on the field at the end there and going up to the umpire and sort of remonstrating with him and stuff. But the Kane Williamson and his team are just, they're above all that. Don't get it confused with another soft touch either. Not, no, this no. Isn't, this isn't like a, oh, the, the, you know, the bend over for every team and just let, let the umpire well, do it. Well, that's not the New Zealand way, is it? I mean, the all no, the, look at the, them. I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. They're a great bunch they of They play hard but hard fair. On the field. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Where were you actually for the final ball of the Super over? I was on the field just off it. We had like a bench just in front of the crowd um, between uh, the corner stand and the pavilion. There's a little gap there where we had a, a bench. All the lads were on it. I was stood off the end um, of the bench. I was next to the team doctor who actually looked at the crowd the last ball. He didn't watch the ball. I said, how are Doc? This is the last ball. It's a World Cup. You, you, like, you never know. At that point, we think we're losing. He said, I'm like, you never know. He's like, no, I can't watch. I can't watch. Then you had this physio, the strength coach, and then you had the rest of the lads at the end. So you had like um, TC, Moan Ali, and Liam Dawson. And Mo was given ball-by-ball ball commentary every ball. He was so relaxed and chilled out. And Moe's one of the funniest in the team by a long way. And I'll never forget before the last ball, um, we were saying, oh, he's going to bowl a slow ball. Oh, no, it's going to be a York run. No, it's a bouncer. Look at the field. It's definitely going to be a bouncer. And Mo just went, well, as long as it, the ball doesn't go to J-Roy, we'll be all right. He'd already <laughs> fumbled it twice. And yeah. of course, the ball goes to J-Roy in the rest of history. Did you know the situation then? Did you know that if they only got one run, you'd win on a boundary count? Did everybody know that on the bench? We didn't even know the rules coming in the dressing room after main stokes. He'd been batting. It was literally the no one knew what was going on, um, who was batting, what, what could happen. It was just... Because he had been up, down all game, win, lose, win, lose, win, lose. The emotions of the day just sort of take over. And you, there's no sort of calm rationale. Even Mogi, who was the most calmest bloke, level bloke in the world, he never gets too high, too low. He was level, but he was, you could see like he was trying to get things in order because everybody else was all up a height. So it was hard to, it was hard to imagine what the dressing room was like. I've never seen the dressing room like that ever where, Jace couldn't find his box, so he was using my box. Someone else couldn't find that pads. Joss was going to bat. Stokes was in the toilets at the back, just having two minutes to himself. So everyone's like, where's Stokesy? No one knows where he is before he's about to go out. Mm. It was just carnage. There was fruit everywhere because Jace had lobbed it when the ball had hit Stokesy's bat. We have like nuts and fruit and little bits of food <laughs> on the table to pick at during the game. And when Stokesy, the ball hit his back, Jason jumped off the middle sort of island that's in the Lord's dressing room and he'd thrown all the fruit everywhere. So it's, uh, I'm, I'm obviously gutted that I've getting run out. And as I'm walking back in, I'm standing like cashews and dried mango and stuff like that. Jason's hoid everything everywhere. <laughs> hoid, I love that word. <clears throat> hoid, that's a, that's a good northeastern word, isn't it? For hossing, hossing down is another phrase I used to love when it was raining. It's hossing down today. Let's let's um let's just look at a little clip of one or two uh, of your highlights. You can talk us through it. So basically, this is going to be um, a couple of clips of your uh, two wickets in the Ashes. While yours is doing that, I mean, I think yours is going to show you Trent Bridge, two thousand and fifteen. Alex Gaywood says, uh, "Woody, uh, at what point did you realise you were bowling what would go down as one of the great days of?" 
English cricket history. I mean, Ashes win. I mean, it's it's all the. I mean, it was a strange day actually, wasn't it? Because it was the, it was a few wickets right right in the morning, and it it looked as if England were going to win. But I mean, you you took the final wicket to win the Ashes. I mean, you talk talk about the World Cup final, but you know, presumably that is a, a huge a memorable moment for you as well. Let, let's have a look at it actually, because I have got it here. So <clears throat> here are the two wickets to to wrap up the Ashes. That yeah, that was, one, that was a nice one. I was particularly pleased with that. Set sort of set him up with a couple of short balls, and then tried to, of course, knock his stumps over when he went a little bit leg side. Um, the speeds here are both good, eighty nine and ninety one. But actually, um, at this point in my career, I don't think I was bowling as nowhere near as quickly or consistently as I am now. It was sort of like I could bowl a few quick balls, or I could have one quick spell. But then I would drop down to sort of 83, 84, 85, 86. And then I'd go back up. So it's a little bit of false start, but it's great to see that, you know, you can remember that and the, the, the look fast. My action's so much different then as well. I'm a lot sort of, I guess, more upright and straight. I'm a run-up straight at everything like that. I was, I was pretty pleased with that Hazelwood one just because of when, what went before it. Obviously, it's a good wicket, the one that you see, but what goes before, it's really pleasing. Um, I think in terms of, taking that the wicket to win the ashes everybody wants to do that and it's sort of strange now because i feel like yes it's a big deal but i'm, I'm more pleased that it's more relief to be honest that you know i i got that wicket then i'm immensely proud of it but relief that we we'd actually getting over the line and, and won the ashes at that point um in the morning it was great for Alistair cook i hadn't bowled that well that game um i was a bit new to national cricket i was a bit inconsistent and he threw me and Stokesy the ball in the morning when he could easily went abroad and Finn and he backed me and Stokesy, two of the younger, more inexperienced lads. And I bowled at Adam Burgess all morning. And I was begging Stokesy to just, will you just bowl one on the hip so I can bowl at the tail end? And I went for like four or five overs where I kept bowling at Burgess, the guy that was in. And um, eventually got Hazelwood on strike and that's that's when it happened. But the, the ball before the Nathan Lyon one, I'd bowled out swing all morning, hadn't tried any in-swing as and then I tried a massive in-swing and I went down the leg side for four buys and Brody screamed at me, what are you doing? Just keep it simple. Next ball, I got the wicket. So uh, listen to listen to Stuart Broad, eh? That was, that was a good ball that got Hazelwood, actually. I've done a lot of good left-handers, never mind Hazelwood. I mean, it really swung. It was a decent delivery. Yeah, Trent Bridge is, as you both know, very okay. famous for yeah. swing. At the other end, I was just running in a little bit too fast down the hill. I mean, you can't really tell on TV, but there's a, a bit of a hill and then a bit of a mound as you jump up. And mm. I was fine. I was getting too much momentum in and then I couldn't stop. My timing was slightly out, so I ended up bowling really full. And then from the other end, I got a bit more rhythm. Here's a question from uh, Jacob Matthew. Actually, we might develop it a little bit. Um and and sort of move on actually to you know your your fast bowling. He says, "Have you ever hit hundred miles an hour, even in the nets? Um, what what's the what do you think is the fastest ball you've bowled? Who was who did you bowl it to? And and what happened? I mean, do you do you have any sort of? Me- I mean, there was that famous ball with Sherbach to bowl to Nick Knight in the in the World Cup in in South Africa, and he he just nudged it into the leg side and it came up, you know, a hundred miles an hour on the, on the speed gun or whatever. But did you remember there being a particular ball or a particular over? Yeah. I remember the, I remember the quickest one I've bowled just simply because it came up on the screen at the ground. Um, it was in the world cup final 95.7 at Henry Nichols and to swing the ball sort of back in, 
hit, hits him on the pad and it goes to, to fine leg. Um, I remember feeling sharp at the start of that spell. Like I said, I was trying a bit too hard, but I actually was sort of legging it in because the adrenaline was just absolutely flying through me. The St. Lucia spell, I didn't know how fast I was bowling. So a lot of people keep asking me about that. And actually, I didn't know how quick it was because there was no nothing on the TV screen. And it wasn't until I got the wicket of Hetmeyer, which looked great, probably my favourite ever wicket. Um, as I walked down to go into the change room with the lads, Stokes, he pulled me and he went, we're a long way back here. And I was just like, he never normally says anything like that to me. So he was like, we're a long way back, you know. I was like, right. And um, I remember Johnny Bluey, Johnny Bairstow said to me, it's, that's quick, that. And when I got in the dressing room, the analyst ran down the stairs. He was like 94, 94, 93, 94. I was just like 95. So I think I've touched 95 two or three times, 95.1, 95.3. But my quickest, 95.7. I think actually that was the, wasn't that the fastest over that's ever been bowled by an England bowler? I think uh, it's hard to know because obviously records are a little bit uh, variable going back a few years. But I don't ever recall... An over. I mean, Joffre got close, I think, in that spell against Steve Smith at Lords, but I don't think anybody's done 93, 94, 94, 95 in a whole over. But not yeah, on think, record, um, anyway. The, the funny thing is, honestly, it's it's strange because when I bowl the nets, obviously you're not you're not charging 100% the nets, but when you bowl the nets, batters play me very different to how they play Joffre. Now, Joffre cleans people, hits people in the head a lot in the nets cleans people up a lot in the nets. And I think it's, you know, his action, the way that he bowls, sort of, it's just, you think because he's sort of ambling in, it's it's not going to be, and then all of a sudden it's boom, and it's on you quick. And you mm. think there's no change in his action, whether he bowls full or short. And the England Instagram put something up about four fast, four of the fastest England bowlers. And I think it was Joff Ram himself, Andrew Flintoff and Steve Harmson. And I think mm. I'd be an absolute dream to face in that four. Um, when I still think of Harmy and Flintoff, it's like, I would hate to face them. They're big, they're bounced, they're fast. And obviously, I'm not a natural-looking fast bowler. I'm being a little bit shorter, a bit skinny. But, of course, that does help me in certain conditions. But mm. I think nowadays, pace, if you've got pace, but it's straight up and down, I think the best players in the world, the best players, it doesn't bother them because you get dog sticks in the nets mm. where they're cranking them up. So, like... <laughs> bowling machines indoors so the lads are used to facing fast bowling which is why i think in english conditions i'm trying to work on a few things to be a bit more successful like broad and anderson who move the ball a lot and i think that's where the next stage of my career has got to go i've got to you know it's all good and well being quick but you've got to move the ball as well here's a question actually just linked to that from gareth hadley he says hi mark stuart broad mentioned last week that over recent years english pitches have sort of stifled genuine quick such as uh, mitchell johnson and Brett Lee, do you, do you feel that English pitches have sort of limited your wicket-taking ability? And if so, how excited are you at the possibility of bowling on Australian wickets next year? He says, I can't wait to watch. Yeah, yeah. No, look, I'm very excited to, to bowl out there. I think that the conditions are very similar to South Africa, where I bowled well. Obviously, you can get flat pitches in Australia, but I, I think, you know, if you look at the at Perth and the Gabba and stuff, it does go through there. So, I'm excited by that at the minute. The way that the, our team's balanced, there's only room for sort of one quick bowler. Um, so me and Joffre might be rotated. It might be a game where we get in together. I'm sure that, that was trialled at the start of the summer against the West Indies. 
where the pitch didn't really suit that actually it was better for the likes of Jason Holdow who bowled slower with his bounce and his height so I'm sure if we get the conditions right it'll be it'll be good to go your question about the English pitches I think that's a, a skill that we we have to adapt to it's all you know sometimes the pitch does suit the ball to come on a little bit better but we still have to you know adapt as we're top international players this isn't like you still have to find a way when you go on them flat pitches in India or the flat pitches in Sri Lanka, you have to find a way for the team to get wickets. It's no good just saying, oh, it's flat. You have to find a way. And that's um, something that I'll be working on. Obviously, the ball moves in England. And that's something that I need to get better at and something that I'm going to try hard to to improve on. What what in particular? Which which ball are you working on? And, I'm um... working on the wobble seam. So that's something that Jimmy and Brody bowl well. I, I've, I've tried sort of um, swinging the ball. And I can swing it a little bit. Um, I'm not someone that... You know, both absolutely gun barrel. If the ball swings, I can't swing it. But the thing that's been most threatening over the last few years, especially for Broad and Anderson, has been that wobble seam. And that's something that I haven't, you know, naturally done. I was always told as a kid to keep the seam up, try and swing mm. it. And um, so that's obviously what you get used to. So I'm trying to work on the wobble. Some, some days I feel a million dollars and I'm like, I've cracked it. This is it. And then other days it doesn't do anything. So I think it's a case of, you know, it's not going to be the finished article straight away. I'm going to have to work at it. And then when my confidence is up in the nets that I'm bowling it well, then I'll try it in a match. And and hopefully, like most things, when you first try things, um, they, they don't always succeed. So you have to stick at it if it doesn't. I mean, I had the same issues as you in a way as a bowler. Um, obviously, I wasn't as good or as fast, but I was shorter. And uh, therefore, I didn't get the bounce that the, the sort of tall bowlers like uh, Jofra or Harmy or someone would get. And so I developed a slower ball, which actually got me a lot of wickets. And I think that you're quite similar in one way to me because you've got a fast arm. You've got a lot of vigor at the crease and, you know, a lot of energy. And, you know, the, the fact that you bowl with a really fast arm means, in fact, if you develop or I, I know you've got slower balls, but if you develop a really good slower ball, then and your arm comes over at the same speed, it can be quite deceptive because of your fast arm. And I found that a slower ball really looped. And if I put a bit of spin on it as well, and I could probably as almost as many wickets as with slower balls as I got with quicker balls. I mean, obviously now that was the 1980s where the slower ball was a slightly sort of new thing. Obviously, people have got loads of slower balls now, but I wonder whether you could develop that a bit more because because of your fast arm and the fact that people are sort of geared up to face a 90 mile an hour ball, the changes of pace could be as effective as making the ball move on a flat pitch. Yeah, it's something I'm, um, I have been working at in one day cricket. I think it's very difficult when you play three formats to, you know, constantly work on one thing. So you're sort of dripping it in here, then you're dripping it in there to try and perfect it. I think there's, I've been working on a couple of slow balls, which are coming more into my armory as I've getting older. Um, and they're underused in, in test cricket, aren't they, really? I mean, you yeah, know, yeah. all this stuff in white ball cricket, the Yorkers, the back of the handers and all that, but you don't see so much of it in, in test cricket, really. No, well, Joff balls, um, Joff balls and knuckle ball. I remember Mitchell Johnson getting a few wickets with slow balls and test cricket as well. So maybe that is something I could look at, especially in certain conditions away from home with like um, fast cutters and things, um, which is just a slight difference of pace that might get caught in front of the wicket and things like that. For, yeah. you know, for, for for me, it's it's just it's a case of just even though you get older, you don't you don't want to stop trying to improve. I think as soon as you stop, that's when you you, you sort of you go backwards, really. So, um. It is so, uh, the problem I've got as well. I, I don't, you probably can't see on camera, but I've got tiny hands, 
So I kind of bowl the knuckleball. I haven't got a ball in here to show you, but I kind of bowl the knuckleball because my hands are too small. I kind of get my my fingers around the ball. So trying mm. to practice and stuff and goes over the batsman's not, head or something, does it? It's not very, it's not very good. It's not very good. <laughs> oh, oh well. Rich Clark says, did the lack of a crowd have an effect on your on-field performance this season? If so, would you look to deliberately use the crowd, e.g. Barmy Army, more in future seasons when they are back? Fingers crossed. Look, the Barmy Army never gets un, like undervalued or underestimated by the players. They absolutely love it when they're there. I've missed actual balls during test matches looking at the crowd, which is probably something that I shouldn't admit. But yeah, I've, there's been a couple of times I've sort of done that and the Barmy Army is just the noise they make, the songs they sing. It's fantastic for the sort of the group and the atmosphere of the group. It actually keeps you going. It'd be interesting to see some of the one-day games towards the end of the... Um, against Australia, the one-day games where we had no crowd. In them games, if the crowd was up and putting pressure on Australia, I think it would have been it would have actually made a huge difference. I'm not just saying that. I think when you have mm. the crowd there, especially against Australia, and they're on them, and you can feel the wickets are tumbling or you're starting to get runs. It it does affect certain players. I'm not I don't know, you know, I can't name off the top of my head which ones because I think that would be unfair, but certain players I'm sure it does affect as it would affect our lads in Australia when, you know, we get uh, barraged by them. The sort of start of the summer where there was no crowd, it was definitely weird. It it felt like not to dull it down a bit, but it felt a bit like a club game where you would turn up, you sort of warm up, then there's no, you have to create your own atmosphere. So although you knew there was millions watching at home and you had all the, the backing and the support, it did feel a bit different. There was no one in the ground. You could hear everything. And at times it felt like, you know, if you were applauding or trying to, um, you know, get the spirits going and stuff, sometimes it could feel quite false because there's no crowd in there to either help you or back you up or anything like that. So it was a bit strange. Uh, Jenny Heald says she was fortunate enough to be at the Wanderers in South Africa in January when you were man of the match and the Barmy Army was singing your song very loudly while you were bowling. She says, how much does that great atmosphere inspire you? You sort of answered that, but can you sing your song? Do you, do you know what your Barmy Army song yeah, is? Yeah, shake, shake it up, Woody, now. Ah, 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 shake it up, Woody, now. Shake it up, Woody. Pace and bounce, pace and bounce. Come on, come on. Yeah. You're England's yeah. fastest bowler now, David. Yeah, man. Class. Great. Very good. Britain's got talent. There's, there's <laughs> a future for you. A bit of guitar. Do you play guitar? Jordy Tones. Nah, I'm not a root. No. Honestly, Rooty tried to teach me on tour and I was terrible. I was At one point, I started trying to do like this on the guitar. That's good to hear in a way that you've not pursued, pursued it because Steve Smith told us on one of these uh, earlier ones that he was uh, into his guitar. And I don't know if you saw, he did a, a song on Instagram and it mm. was not, it wasn't good. <laughs> Actually, it was pretty, mm. pretty toneless. Uh, I think he used no, I've, it. I've, I've, um, I've avoided the test as well. I know that thing that they've, they've put out. Uh, I watched half an hour and thought, I just can't watch this. It was almost going to cringe to death watching it. So I had to turn it off. <laughs> well, let's just um, change tack and sort of go back on your career just briefly. Um, when did you discover you could bowl fast? When did you realise um, something? You know, did you hit club players, junior players on the head, things like that? Not really. I was more of a batsman as a kid who bought little medium pacers, and it wasn't until about. I mean, I originally got picked up on Durham Academy as an all rounder who 
didn't bowl that quick. I had a good winter with John Windows, the academy coach, where he changed my action a little bit, changed my run-up to that stop-start one, which everybody knew when I first came on the scene. And then um, sort of out of nowhere, there was a season for Ashington, my local club, where everything just clicked. And I had a little bit of a growth spurt. I know I'm not very tall, but I was really small. I had a growth spurt. And then out of nowhere, I could just the timing in my action just seemed to be there. And um, I could bowl a lot quicker. And then all of a sudden, I got a little bit older, a bit stronger. Naturally, I was still really thin, but I got a bit stronger and stuff. And then it wasn't really out until I got around the England setup. I mean, I bowled quick spells for Durham, but never consistently. But when I got more and more with England, I started to get, you know, uh, more custom my body. That's why I had all those injuries because I basically I wasn't used to bowling fast for so long. Um, and then eventually my body got used to it a bit more. And I know I still have injuries and stuff, but every fast bowler does. And it just seems that, you know, the fact that I'm trying to put absolutely everything in every delivery, I think that's probably why um, eventually I have a little bit of trouble. Is it, is it conditioning then, do you think, that's made it possible for you to bowl those speeds? You say, you know, being involved with England. So it was the kind of training, it was the training programmes, it was the various drills that you do, the preparation, etc. Do you think that would have been the thing that got you over the 90 mile an hour mark consistently? I think so. It's a little bit of, it's a bit of more professionalism. At Durham, the thing that made were fantastic and the thing that made we win the league and things was the fact that we were different than everyone else. We would eat fish and chips together. We'd have a great team togetherness. We wouldn't necessarily, you know, be eating kale and chicken and that's it. And whichever sort of county has gone down that sort of professional route. At Durham at the time, we were a little bit different. We had a fantastic team spirit, which allowed us to win the league. And we had a value in a sense of, yeah, so sorry, we had this, the values of the area very much ingrained in that team. Um, hard work, you know, the fact that we were underdogs and we wanted to prove people wrong, things like that, which, you know, other counties do have as well. But I think we had an abundance at Durham at the time. But it wasn't until I got to England when I started to, you know, eat well, train well. I never really, I went in the gym at Durham, but I didn't, I wasn't consistent. I didn't really know what I was doing. And then when I went in the gym with Durham, uh, with sorry, with England, not with Durham, um, with England, I, I put muscle on in the right places. My core was a lot stronger. My glutes, bum, arse, whatever you want to call it, that was a lot stronger. And I, I did a lot more sort of running. I was very much a natural sort of sportsman growing up where I could play I played football in the winter, cricket in the summer, but I loved tennis. I, you know, would play rugby. Uh, you know, I would try anything, uh, t- uh, badminton, table tennis, whatever you wanted, I would I would play it. So I felt like athletic-wise, I was quite a good mover, but it wasn't until I got in England where I was more specific with my running, with my training. So even now I do a lot more running and a lot more sort of specific weights training. Um, and that sort of, I think all in all has helped with the diet, little one percent as um, maybe the fact I don't drink, um, all that kind of thing has helped me progress. What What is your diet then? I mean, because you, you, we, we, I think we sort of exchanged some texts in a few months ago about what a mm. fast bowler actually does eat to, to, well, to keep to, in I shape. I used to love um, jam, roly poly, and custard, and that's gone out the window. So uh, <laughs> now it's uh, I might have the odd Ferrero Rocher, but that's about it. I think. Um, Look, it's about being consistent. It's not, look, I'm not like rigid and, you know, I'm not like a gym sort of freak where you have to you eat every two hours while you eat chicken or something like that. It's I'm very much relaxed around it, but it's known, you know, I need a, uh, quite a bit of carbs to keep up my energy, protein to help my muscles develop and repair. 
and uh, some some vegetables, and I just mix it up like that. Um, I'm a bit of a fussy eater, actually. I don't particularly like a lot of fish, uh, just white fish and, and things like that. And I very much like home comfort foods, you know, I like uh, things like broth and um, shepherd's pie and stuff like that. So um, it's very hard to... You know, so you're picking out at the moment, are you, basically? Well, when taking you're trying the opportunity. to be a professional athlete, that's not really, uh, it's not really the best food, but it, when it's freezing up here, yeah, it's, it's the nicest stuff to eat. How are we doing for questions, Simon? Well, Jeff Wilsted says um, he, he was at PE last January. I mean, we do, we've talked about your bowling. What about your batting? He says, I was there for your innings of, of 42, 23 balls and five sixes. Do you, did you enjoy that knock as much as taking three wickets in the match? I mean, you talked about your batting. You said you were an all-rounder. You batted as a, a kid. I mean, do you still enjoy batting a lot or all those nasty fast bowlers looking to knock your block off a bit frightening for you well i think i'd still be at number three if ever if everybody bowled under 75 mile an hour when it started to get a little bit quick i got a little bit frightened um but that day it's one of them where it comes off the best bit of advice i got was actually from trevor bayless who said look it's not there's not as much pressure on you um obviously if you're with a batsman you play properly but if you're with the lads who are down down the order express yourself it's not about you know how you look or how you feel it's about how you get them and and if you nick them all through the slips or you get them fast by whacking them over the top he didn't care he just wanted to try and get as many runs as we could and that day root had given me the license we were in a great position um maraj was sort of looking for five wickets and i just thought well if he's going to bowl at this end instead of rabada i'm going to take him on so it was it worked well uh Pope, he played some unbelievable shots himself um he is going to be something really special i believe he's got so much talent i think we've got a few great young players coming through but that day was yeah i i, I actually named that bat i still got upstairs the blade of justice it was the the bat of the south african tour and um, still upstairs so i mean so do you do you enjoy batting generally i do i do i mean i i, I like it I, I always feel i should do better than than what i do i think i'm better than what my stats show but I get to like 15 or That's 20. Cool. And I, honestly, I, totally I think I'm like Bradman. I totally identify like, with that. I've gone from totally. gear one to gear five. I hit one at the middle and I think that's it. I'm in and just try uh, and play every shot. To- I totally agree with you. And, uh, you know, I, I, I average 11 in first class cricket. I should have averaged about 24. But you just keep giving it away, don't you? You get to 15, you think, oh, this is great. And, of course, every bowler loves batting because for two reasons. I mean, one is... The batsmen get all the kind of nice uh, sort of perks in the game and you want to have a share in a bit of that. And secondly, it's, it puts off the opportunity for bowling. It puts off the time when you've got to actually go and, go and bowl. If you stay out mm-hmm. there with the bat, which is much easier and more relaxing than bowling, um, you know. And the more you get, the more pressure's on them. Mm-hmm. So the more the more you get, the, the scoreboard pressure helps. Of course. So you came in for that last ball, the World Cup final. Would you have liked to have been the man on strike? Absolutely for not. Absolutely not. I've, I've never felt as sick in my whole life as that day. People ask me about it. I hated the World Cup final until the last minute. I hated the whole thing. The match wasn't very good. Um, it was really tense and back and forth, win-lose, win-lose. And I've never, ever felt as sick. I've, I said it on an interview a couple of times, but they've got like this really posh marble basin in Lords, And I thought two or three times, I can't be sick in there. I'm going to be sick in there. No, don't be sick in there. <laughs> and I literally was pulling people out the way to think I might actually chunder in this space in here. If Stokesy had getting out, I was thinking, I don't know what I'm going to do. Where am I going to hit the ball? I, I'm more of a, like a, a guide at the third man for one than slapping it over 
you know, cow corner. So, um, yeah, I, I was not good that day. One other question we've got here from Mark Wallace, uh, who says, uh, Woody, you were famous for your horse. Have you decided mm. to put it away to rest? Uh, stabled. Stabled. Um, uh, the fact that I went at every ground around the whole world and I had one bloke show, <laughs> at least one bloke, Woody, where's your horse? Every ground. I thought I kind of keep riding this horse in the old field. Yeah, it's just getting too much for us. So I've stabled him for a little bit. I was one ground, I think I, I actually mimicked the crowd that I'd called it and the one very happy. <laughs> Woody, let, we're going to, we're in a minute, we're going to do our, our little quiz. Um, but let, let's just very briefly talk about the, the future and the, and the year ahead. Um, and actually, a, a question that, that sort of, I, I was sort of nagging away at me is that you, you've been given a, a central contract with a white ball contract. I mean, I I can imagine how you react to that. I mean, to me, it seems extraordinary that you know, England need to look after their fast bowlers, and to do that, they need to give out, out central contracts. But if you, how does it work next summer? If you've got a white ball contract, can England still say to you or say to Durham, no, you can only play Mark Wood in two championship matches or four championship matches? They st- do they still have total control over you for for the whole of the summer to you know to, to manage your fitness? Yeah, and that's you know that's part of it. They have to manage my workloads and things like that. Are, uh, you know that's what they keep saying, especially my fitness record. So, with being England contracted, they would tell Durham when I can, sort of can and can't play. Or they might say to me, "Look, you have to play two out the next four games. Which ones are you looking at? Which ones do you think?" And of course, I'll, every time I go back and play for Durham, I absolutely love it. Um, I love representing the region, um, as a, as most players actually do. Um, there'll be times where people might be tired and stuff because they've had a long you know, some are of international cricket, but most, nearly all of the players love going back and play for their counties. And there's always that banter in the dressing room um, about, you know, who got who out and who's better and all that kind of thing. We did, were you disappointed not to get a central contract, uh, you know, test contract? Yeah, yeah, of course. I think, um, you know, I didn't, I only played, I didn't play many games throughout the year, but, you know, and I, I just wasn't selected. That's the way that it is. It's international sport. Um, it can be very hard and ruthless at times, but, it gives us a chance to try and prove myself this year and um, have a good go at getting one for what will be the Australian winter the year after. Um, and who do you um, do you look at any fast bowler in the world and think if I could just sort of get a bit of what they've got to, to improve? What, who who do you look at as a sort of good good role model, really, or a good model to, I, to follow? I think there's a there's a few that you that I would certainly look at. I think. Um, you know, I really admire every fastball. I know how hard it is. And, you know, the, I look at people like, um, so for example, Pat Cummins is fantastic, how accurate he is, how, you know, relentless he is with, with not giving anything away. I mean, the lads in England talked about they never got a cut shot off him the, nearly the whole summer until I think Stokes whacked the last ball at Henley for four. That was probably yeah. the only cut shot that any of them can remember that he actually gave them. So his relentless accuracy, aggression, um, is fantastic. Uh, Rabada is fantastic to watch up close. Um, the telly doesn't really do him justice. How you know his action is so liquid, sort of. Yeah, and and it's the same with Jofra. You know, um, I actually mm. have a he gets injured quite a bit, but I have a bit of action envy with James Pattinson as well and, and Chris Wokes. I think the actions are, are rock solid. You know, jo- me and Jofra have a nice friendly rivalry where we're trying out. Um, bore each other and fast but mine's like grunted with arms and legs going everywhere and he just does it with absolute ease and that's I think that's the thing that frustrates us the most the fact that he can just amble in and boom out of nowhere 
it's great to watch when he's in full flow. Yeah, he's he's the Rolls Royce, isn't he? And you're the sort of you're the turbo thrust or something with a bit of, <laughs> bit, of uh, bit of revs with going wheels on. dropping off and God knows what else. Yeah. Oh well, brilliant. Uh, some some fastball. It just shows even in IPL. You see, uh, I don't know if you saw the IPL today. Uh, Boomer and um, Trent Bolt knocking over the the Delhi Capitals. The pace again having an impact. Yeah, it's been great to see in the in the IPL that the pace has had such a, a big impact because a lot of the time, especially in India, it's the spinners that do the damage, isn't it? So um, it's great that the fast bowlers have been getting recognition and, and doing well. Um, and hopefully that bodes well. Maybe if they want to look at more fast bowlers from around the world, say a lad from Ashton in the northeast who's uh, you know ready for. Well, you've done your one. Night, you've so, done yeah. your one year with the Chennai Super Kings, but it, it was only one game, I think, wasn't it? In the oh, end, you did I pretty well. No, I got smashed. I got absolutely smashed. I remember you got a good speed up though. I mean, you, you generated yeah, some pace. But, yeah, but it off went the bat, quicker. <laughs> yeah, one the one KD Stadium in um, Mumbai. I mm. bought my first over for two. Two of us for ten or something, four of us for forty nine. I got smashed. It was it was the fact that the problem was right. Honestly, I was underprepared, and that's a bit of my fault, and a little bit of you know the the situation because I'd just come off a test tour um, to New Zealand where I'd been playing the um, Neil Wagner role of just bowling bouncers, and then three days later I was in a my first IBL game in Mumbai. For Chennai, and my first two overs were okay because you could hit line and length, but my death overs were terrible because I hadn't worked enough on Yorkers and slower balls, and I just got absolutely smashed. And I do regret it. Um, I'd love to have another crack, and um, because I feel I'm a lot better than that, but that's what can happen. It is 2020 cricket, and the ball can't fly. Right. Listen, let's do your quiz, okay? So this is this quiz is a special me up. Quiz. quiz. Me up. This is a special quiz, um, which we call. How well Play do you the know yourself? Yeah, well, the theme tune. Here's the theme tune. <laughs> okay, right. So your clock starts now. It's worth and saying by the way, before we start that, yes. yeah, that, that Stuart Broad scored five mm. out of ten and Joe Root six out of ten. So you need to score seven to beat those two in in this sort of the early leaderboard and um we've got uh, a couple of buzzers um if you get it right or wrong as well okay so if you if you're wrong it's a and if you're right it's going to be a he's got it just a little addition there right so first question who was your first county championship wicket uh you can get this i mean can you get the county was it uh, darren pattinson Right, right, um, county, right county, right wrong county, right county. Can you get a? Can you get? We we'll give you, can you a bit of a. He was oh, a little higher order player. Sorry, Malini. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, we'll give you that. He's got it. Second, second attempt. Right. So you right. get, you get, you get a point for that. Okay, well done, Timon. Right. Second question. You talked about your batting earlier. Simple question. What's your highest test score? Fifty-two. He's got it. Two out of two. Very good. You've played 16 test matches. How many of those have England won? Eight. Definitely? You sure? I'm going to go with eight. Seven. Uh, Not bad. Get them out. No wonder I don't play. 
More losses than wins. <laughs> yeah, the answer's seven. Right. This is this is a Yozza question, this. Four, uh, number four. How many Woods have played Test cricket for England? You've got, you've got a small spread on this to help you out. Is it four, five, or six? Well, does Collingwood count? Or no, Wood? <laughs> definitely not. Four. You think four? Yeah, four. Why right. do you say that? Just because you think it's, it's quite a popular name, you know. Yeah. Four. Right. Four more at the score. Four. No, it's actually six. And I'll give them to you, apart from you. Barry Wood, Lancashire, of course. Bazalad. Yeah. George Wood. Arthur George Wood, who was author. Yeah, of course you know him. Um, I think he played three tests in about 1720. Um he did actually play for, for England in a test match. Arthur Wood was the famous uh, wicketkeeper who I think came into bat in 1938 when England were about 540 for four and said, just a man for a crisis. Henry Wood, who I played, I think only played one test in about 1890. Uh, Uncle Henry. Uh, no, and then, and Reginald, Wood, Reginald Wood. I mean, it's, it's forgivable that you don't know any of those except Barry Wood, actually. So uh, unlucky. Uh, it was a bit of a difficult question. I wonder, wonder, wonder whether we should give you half a mark but we'll see how you get on uh so yeah anyway next question um who was your first so what's what's he on simon he's on two out, two out of four so far two out of four oh, come on you've got to get the rest of these who was your first one day international wicket oh no think sort of uh a country near us it's got it's got to be uh what country oh, was yeah, it first? i do remember now island um portfield portfield <coughs> he's got it Good, three out, of five. three out of five. Number six, you played 64 white ball internationals for England, T20 and one day internationals. How many sixes have you hit in white ball international cricket? Oh, come on, one. Where was that? With a point. <laughs> Against? <laughs> Can you remember a shot? That isn't part of the question, by the way. <laughs> no, no. I don't think I've hit any. He's got it! Is the right answer? No. Nought yeah. is the right answer. We we got you there in the end. Good, cool. Four out of six. Four out of six. Question seven. Which against which country did you make your England T twenty debut? Uh, New Zealand. He's got it. Five out of seven. Simon. Right. It was. I think we've established this. Well, it, actually, you said it was a. It was a, a really tough day. But okay, um, one of the great days in your cricketing life. Um, certainly very memorable. The World Cup final. What were your bowling figures in the World Cup final? Ten overs. One maiden. Forty-nine runs. One wicket. He's got it. Very impressive. Excellent. Five out of seven. Right, this is a tricky one. Sorry, five, sorry that's, sorry, that's right. six, uh, out, of six eight. out of eight. Six out of eight. Right, two questions to go. This is, this is a tricky one, actually. Um, you might get this. Which England red ball and white ball player called you the best and worst player to be locked down with in the bio bubble? Who would that have been? Uh, I think it might have been the captain, Joe Root. You sure? Mm-hmm. Give us, have another go. So it's not Joe Root. No. One more chance. Uh, we'll, stay, we'll stay with Yorkshire. Johnny Bairstow. I'm afraid you're wrong. Christopher Wokes. So mm. what are we on then? That's six out of nine. So this six one out of nine. So this is the decider. What's the mo- most times in a match you've fallen over after delivering the ball? 
This is another Yozza question. <laughs> What's the most times in a match you've fallen over after delivering the ball? Twelve. Two of us were. Yeah. He's got it! <laughs> you've beaten Rooty and Brawny. You've got seven out of ten. I Tremendous. don't know if I'm quite ashamed of that, actually. Two, Twelve balls. Oh, stay in your feet, man. It's great to listen to Mark Wood, wasn't it? Um, just so honest about himself. Such a genuine character. One of the best in the game, undoubtedly. And, you know, talking about that way he always falls over when he lets go of the ball. I mean, it's just because of the energy, the incredible passion and vigour that he puts into every delivery. And sometimes, yeah, you do throw yourself off balance and you land in a heap on the floor. It used to happen to me as well. Uh, I know what it's like. And it's just, a, it's a bit sort of, it's a bit exasperating, obviously, when it happens to you. And, of course, what you don't want to happen, collapsing to the ground and some batsman wellies it back at you and it hits you in the unmentionables or something. That's happened to me. So you do want to stay on your feet if you can. Anyway, it was great listening to, to Mark Wood. And thank you so much for him giving up his time. His career is going to be really interesting to follow over the next few months. And a final reminder about joining our virtual club, worldsbestcricketclub.com. Phil Tufnell next week. Please join us. Tell a friend about it. We've had great feedback so far. People really enjoying it, particularly actually the quiz. So try and join us next Thursday at 7pm. And also sign up for your free eight-pack of craft beer at beer52.com slash cricket. Hope you enjoy all that. Look forward to seeing you next week. Thanks for listening. Podcast Network. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.